The business is not a hobby. Now that doesn't mean that if I, a guy tells me he collects cars or he's passionate about cars, but he is looking to be the CEO of a business that in Meineke might not be a great environment for him because at least he's in an environment where he has a passion for the work. He's not going to be doing the work, but he enjoys the environment. I don't want to put somebody who has never walked into a gym before into a gym franchise, right? Where they feel completely like a fish out of water. That's not going to work. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. And today we're going a little off of real estate, actually. We're talking with Kim Daly. We're talking about franchises and investing in franchises, the options that are out there, the mistakes that people make, what the real value is when you invest in a franchise, especially one that is, you know, performing and taking care of their franchisees. So really interesting stuff. And and it's a, this is a way that people are using, especially more and more in the last couple of years to get their wealth out of Wall Street and into an investment that they control into a business that they own that generates cash flow, hopefully, if they're if they're doing it right and following all of these steps that they can take to become a business owner. So really interesting stuff. And Kim gets into some of the weeds on a few different areas where the value is, different types of assets or, or excuse me, different types of businesses that people can invest in and, and whether we should look to invest in something that we're passionate about or other rules that maybe we should follow when we're looking at potentially investing in a franchise. And if you don't know what I mean by that, that's okay. We're going to dig more into that in the interview and it'll make sense when we get there. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment buildings and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more and potentially invest with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call with me. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, guys, I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I'm always real about this. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. I do read those reviews, you guys. And every single time I see a new one on there, oh, I just love it so much. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, do look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way, that way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday straight to your mobile device. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. Once again, our guest today is Kim Daly. And today we're talking about franchising, getting into franchise investing, what it can do for you, what the, where the value is. Oh, so much stuff in there. A lot of great lessons. Without any further ado, here we go. Kim, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Taylor. I'm excited to be here. Going to be a great conversation. We're going to talk about something a little different from what we normally talk about, but I think it's a can be a great way for people to take control of their finances and escape Wall Street. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and what you do, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your business? Yeah, so I am a franchise consultant. 
what the heck is that? (laughs) Um, That means that I help people explore franchise opportunities. People come to me in career transition. Investors come to me looking for diversification in their portfolio. And they come to the idea that a franchise, you know, they love the idea of buying into that proven path um, where you can work on your business rather than in your business. And my job, I offer a free service that coaches people to select the right franchise, matching it to their background, interest, skills, finances, and goals, and then teaching them how to do or conduct proper due diligence on a franchise so that they can feel competent that they've asked the right questions, they've talked to the right people, they've thought about the right things. So when they actually say yes or no, it's a very educated yes or no. Good. Well, I I appreciate that education aspect as well and really knowing uh, what we're getting into. And I think really to kick it off, you know, the first thing that I think about when I think franchises is franchise restaurants, you know, your McDonald's and and so on and so forth. But I'm sure the world of of franchising, you know, is is far, far bigger than that. So, you know, what's out there? There's so much to franchising. So as one of America's top franchise consultants, Taylor, I will tell you that I have very rarely ever placed anybody into food. Like my candidates have to beg me to even show them food. It's just my personal opinion that there are faster, easier, better ways to make money than the slim margins of of a restaurant and the long hours and minimum wage employees and perishable product. And not to say anything bad about any food franchise or certainly there are people that love food service and that's their path but there's a lot of executives out there and people that have worked you know in corporate America people that own real estate portfolios and they're looking again for that diversification and a restaurant is not what they want to do and a lot of times people go well, I, I didn't know that there was anything beyond that in franchising and then I'm over here saying I'm one of America's top franchise consultants and I very rarely ever, place anybody into food. So I particularly love service, (laughs) Um, especially service with a reoccurring like membership or built in, you know, like, um, like a cleaning service where you come and clean my house and you're going to come back every week or every two weeks. So it has that sort of built in reoccurring revenue stream that just kind of creates that predictable path that that's when a business owner can typically you know, start to relax and exhale and be strategic about their growth rather than reactionary. (laughs) And like, you know, just pushing, 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 because you're just trying to create some momentum. Mm, Okay. It's interesting. You mentioned about all the aspects of the the problems with owning restaurants. I have friends who own McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and a few others. And and many of the problems that you mentioned are the ones that, uh, you know, they complain about most when I talk to them about, uh, about their business uh, that they own. And the moment that we're in right now, you know, in 2021 or 2022, finding employees, it's just really challenging. It's challenging. And I don't care what business you're in. Um, but I think that the restaurant, a lot of restaurants couldn't even reopen after, you know, they were allowed to reopen because they couldn't find people to work. And and so I'm just back from a conference where there was a huge focus um, from my top franchisors on, you know, it used to be sort of like a lot of the focus was on marketing. And this conference, it seemed like a lot of the franchisors are very focused on 
um, finding, helping their franchisees recruit and then retain good employees. So it's a good sign. Franchisors actually care about their franchisees. Franchisees want to provide tools that will help their franchisees, you know, get up that learning curve and feel confident that they can start a business that requires employees today in 2022. Nice. So I think one of the biggest, you know, skills that that I see maybe a lot of people don't know naturally or, or have to learn myself included is a business owner being able to work on their business rather than in their business. And, and really that comes down to delegating and, and having people, uh, other people handle things, you know, learning leadership skills and all of that. A lot of us don't have that innately. We have to learn it. And, you know, how can people kind of start building those skills and that knowledge base if they go into you know, buying a franchise so they're buying a business and, and hopefully a passive business rather than buying themselves another job? It's just such a great question. So the first thing you have to do is work with an experienced franchise consultant like myself who can lead you to those businesses that are designed for the owner to work on it, not in it from the beginning. Because there certainly are franchisors out there that want owners, that want to be that owner operator for the first couple of years, right? So when you're when you step into a franchise that designed for the owner to come in as the CEO, then to the the point that's sort of inherent in the question you're asking is, you know, can the owner let it go, right? So, so there, you can go out and you can talk to franchise owners in what is designed to be a semi-absentee business. And these owners are making it full-time, you know, and they'll tell you, I don't know how you can be semi-absent. And I, you know, they come back to me and I'm like, look, go talk to some other people and see if you hear that across the board or if that's just a one-off because that person just, you know, for many people, the majority of their life savings is invested in this business. So it becomes very emotional. They, they can't, let it go until they feel like there's some moment momentum. But on the flip side of that, if you've been an executive, if you've been running a big PL, if you've been managing a huge business in corporate America for somebody else and you have those skills, there absolutely are franchises that can meet you right there at that level where you can come in and you can be focused on strategy and managing managers and growth. Like on Kim Daily TV, on my YouTube channel, I, last year, I interviewed a former Wall Street guy who invested in a restoration company, and when he was a global leader. So he had managed people all over the world for a bank. Now he invests in a restoration company, which shows you, you don't need any pre previous experience for most of these franchise businesses. I mean, this guy didn't know anything about water mitigation before he became a Paul Davis franchise owner. And But within four years, with his ability to grow and scale teams of people, he built a company that was doing $21 million in revenue in four years in a franchise. That guy's working on. He's not working in. He's not driving a truck. He's not chucking the truck. He's not sucking up water out of people's basements or bathrooms or wherever when they have a water issue. He's leading teams of people and scaling a massive multi, you know, like a fleet of, of uh, fleet operation. So you, you did kind of mention about how folks having a lot invested in their, their franchise business, and that's maybe why they have trouble letting things go. But you know, on the flip side of that, it, it seems wise to not bet the farm <laughs> on a, a franchise. You know, even if you really believe in it, 
you know, it, if you've never done it before, you know, um, I guess how can people like avoid making too big of an investment into the franchise business so that, you know, okay, if this doesn't work, then my entire family is homeless and hungry. Like that, that just seems irresponsible. That seems crazy, right? Well, again, the answer would be to work with an experienced franchise consultant like the Daily Coach. Um, that's what I do is I, I help educate people like what your money buys. So sometimes people will pigeonhole themselves into, I only want to put $50,000 in. And I'm like, yeah, but when you say that, do you know what that means to me? So before I ask any of my candidates you know, about what they feel they want to put into a franchise, I proactively lead the conversation by educating them about what their money buys. So I'm going to set up in about a 15-minute conversation what every franchise business costs and why. So they can see the correlation between money and time and where the business would operate from and what key skills are necessary in particular types of businesses. And then when they say to me, well, based on that information, I'm comfortable with that range of investment. Now I know that we are effectively communicating. Um, so some people have very high risk tolerances. They're younger. They have more time to recover should something go wrong. Other people are in the second half of their you know, career. They're looking at this as the last hurrah. They can't afford to make a mistake. So again, you work with someone like me who has 20 years of experience, who has relationships with franchisors, who can bring the pioneering, the next up and coming Orange Theory fitness businesses or or the more proven stable things like Meineke or Supercuts or Massage Envy that have a great track record behind them. But once we build that model and I understand what you want to put in, what you're looking to achieve, how much scale is important to you, um, you know, what's the time frame in which you want to build this? Are you building it to sell it? Are you building it to pass it on? So we have to identify all of these kind of characteristics and goals. And then I set about to go find the opportunities that match all of those characteristics. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do wonder, you mentioned a, a number of franchise businesses that frankly, I didn't realize were, were franchise businesses, but Meineke, Supercuts, and a few others. So Meineke, um, right, they do what, car uh, tire changes, I think. I don't really remember. I have a mechanic that I automotive. use. Automotive, it's a full service automotive, yeah. Full service automotive, okay. And I, I guess my question there is how much does uh, someone's background knowledge or, or passion or whatever feed into the right choice for them. So like, I like cars would a, in, in theory, would I be wiser to lean toward a Meineke versus a Supercuts? My fiance cuts my hair, right? So that's, that's the range of what I care about, but uh, does that feed into the decision or is it more of an objective? Like we think there's a demand in the marketplace for, you know, this type of business and I'd be more comfortable with this investment strategy rather than, you know, my, my say personal passions and, you know, what I like to do with my time. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And it really comes back to the investor. So my feeling in this, if you're asking me for my opinion, my opinion is the business is not a hobby. Now that doesn't mean that if I, a guy tells me he collects cars or he's passionate about cars, but he is looking to be the CEO of a business that in Meineke might not be a great environment for him because at least he's in an environment where he has a passion for the work. He's not going to be doing the work, but he enjoys the environment. I don't want to put somebody who has never walked into a gym before into a gym franchise, right? Where they feel completely like a fish out of water. That's not going to work. But on the flip side, 
just because I'm a gym rat, it doesn't mean that owning the gym is the perfect business for me because the business is not a hobby. I meet people every day who are like, I don't have to love it. I want to love what it affords me. I want to, I want to be able to afford the investment. I want to look forward to the quality of life this business can provide for me and that return on investment, right? So there's a lot of things a lot of people would probably be willing to do if they could make the kind of money they wanted to make and have the quality of life that they wanted to have. They just aren't aware that those kind of businesses exist and that you can do it without prior experience. I mean, I could rattle off, like I could say, Taylor, you know, you, you, you want to be in a home services space with, you know, a product that's never going to become obsolete, can never be taken over by Amazon. It's COVID resistant, recession resistant, only requires a small team of people. You could be in the brothers that just do gutters. That's a franchise. You could be in conserva irrigation, putting in irrigation systems in people's yards. You could be in an outdoor lighting business that puts outdoor lighting in people's yards or lights their houses for holidays. So you don't have to know anything about any of those three businesses. There are three basic services that are never going to become obsolete. All the characteristics I just mentioned. And you, but it's the, when you're exploring a franchise where people really start to make the connection is when they meet the people. So I can name widgets and people are like, yeah, I'm not interested, not interested. I'm like, yeah, because you're focused on the widget. But a widget is only as good as the leadership team behind the widget. If the widget doesn't continue to adapt and grow and change with the customer demand or the times, the business is obsolete. So exploring a franchise is way more about finding people, a leadership team with a vision that you buy into than it is about finding a widget that you make a connection to. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I could see how in a way, if if you are, you know, you're all about the widget, you really like it, that could be a distraction from being a business owner. Right. There's a lot of like, I've worked with a lot of women who will come to me. I want to own a daycare. Or I want to be in, you know, children's services because they're moms and they're, that's their environment and they love that. And there are many ways that I can apply the love of that to a business. But on the flip side, it's like, what if you had the opportunity to get away from the kids for a while and to do something like it could even be like, um, like a primrose school or a Goddard school where you could be the headmaster of, a private school. So you're in an environment that you're passionate about. You're delivering something in your community that you see value in, but you're not on the floor playing with kids in a daycare, right? Again, so it's helping. My job is to help people sort of like take their ideas. And there's nothing wrong with any idea that anybody ever brings to me, but to sometimes help them cast a wider net and to kind of, uh, sometimes it's to come up above the idea rather than to be so focused, like laser focused. Um, that's really my job. It's my expertise and it's my greatest passion. When I get testimonials, if you go to the dailycoach.com, my website, and you read these testimonials from these people, they'll tell you, you know, like when Kim came back with four concepts, you know, this was the one that I really didn't want to like go on the date with. I call it a blind date, you know, but she encouraged me to keep an open mind. And then after two calls, I knew that this was the one I wanted to do. And that's a testament to my service and to their open mind. 
the process works. If people are coming to me looking for an opportunity, all I say is open your mind and take my hand. Let me guide you and let's have some fun. You may end up investing in a franchise that right now you have never heard of, you know nothing about, and you can't believe that this opportunity exists for you. On the flip side, it may be something that you came to me asking me for, and it ended up being the perfect business for you. And it was open right where you live. Nice. Nice. So you know, you, we've mentioned COVID-19 a couple of times, right? And it's kind of the, you know, uh, the elephant in the room, right? And and I'm curious how that has impacted, you know, franchises investing or people getting into franchises, especially outside of restaurants. We mentioned all the, the issues with restaurants, which I think folks are well aware of, but but as you know, I'm learning here, and I think the listeners are learning here. There are just a, a huge number of franchise business, you know, options out there. So, how's that impacted the demand from an investor's you know standpoint of view? So, another amazing question. Before COVID nineteen, I knew that I was always going to be self employed. I've been self employed since I was 25. I'm 49. But I wasn't 100% sure that I'd always be part of a franchise, as ironic as that is. After COVID-19, I am 100% sure if I ever start enough, uh, when I start another business, it will be a franchise. When I watched the leaders of these companies adapt and come together and collaborate with their franchisees to adapt the model, none of the franchises that I work with went into the fetal position and didn't climb out. I work with the largest fitness franchisor in the world. From COVID-19, they have no permanent closures and no failures. And they have over 2,000 doors open in multiple countries. Like what? Fitness? In some states, they weren't even able to be open. Yeah, because this particular fitness franchisor adapted. They had a virtual training membership that they were, was in beta testing. They immediately launched to their franchise owners. They went to bat, so their franchisees got PPP money. They fought with the landlord, so nobody paid any rent. There were franchisees in, among the 10 modalities under this you know, corporate um, fitness franchisor saying that they made more money when their physical doors were closed because of the virtual membership, the PPP and their biggest fixed expense, which was their rent went away. Then when their doors were physically open, like, are you kidding me? So how, how do you think that impacted franchise sales in 2020 and 2021? Like they went up, they went up. And then if you were in a home services space, forget about it. I say during COVID, the best businesses to be in were pools and puppies. (laughs) Right. Not that I have franchises for either one of those, but like the pool cleaning service that supports that new pool, the duty, the duty calls of people that come and clean up the poop in your backyard for all those puppies that were sold. Like in, you know, any home service, we were home, we were renovating, creating space for offices. We were here cleaning out our closets. Junk removal companies went through the roof. Garage door or garage organizing companies like, you know, building decks, fire pits. We were we had to make more space in our homes. We had to find more things to do from home. We weren't traveling. So there are so many franchises that like were like COVID-19 was like the best thing that ever happened, you know, to spin it positively, not to take away from anybody that, you know, was, you know, whose health was um, compromised from it. But to spin it positive. So it's all about the leadership, Taylor. It's all about how did the leaders of that organization adapt and overcome? And that's why before COVID-19, franchising was like, yeah, it's about people. 
after COVID-19, I'm telling you 1000%, it's all about the people. Find people that inspire you, that are connected to private equity, that have money to bring a brand to market. Find people that have a vision that you can buy into and then fall in love with that widget because that's just the pass-through vehicle that gets you to that outcome of money and quality of life. Nice. Wow. A lot in there. So I think one of the biggest things that I wonder about uh, the franchise world, right, is you've mentioned a few di- few businesses like, uh, you know, um, the the cleaning up dog poop from people's yards or, um, you know, restoration or, or other things where the equipment aren't sexy, right? But But say... When you invest in the franchise, right? I can imagine. Okay, we get some uh, equipment to go pick this stuff up, and you know, probably a little bit of you know, branding, marketing, collateral. But but really, what's the value that somebody gets in a particular you know franchise investment, and and how can they analyze that? Because what stop what you know what's the value of investing in this franchise as opposed to I'm going to go buy the equipment and start my own, you know, home cleaning service or, or what have I you. I mean, you're on fire with these amazing questions. <laughs> I, I love that question. So let's just take a basic business. Like um, let's pick a junk, the junk removal company or one of the ones I work with junk removal, right? Anybody could be like, well, I could just put some signs on the side of the road, get a truck, you know, figure out in a landfill situation or Habitat for Humanities or, you know, Salvation Army or to bring the stuff, whatever, seems simple enough. Well, I work with a junk removal company that they have, they manage all of the search engine optimization for their franchise owners. So while you're at training, they are turning on your websites and your search engine optimization. Not only are they going to get your phone to ring, but then they have a national call center so that every call will be answered. These national call center employees are trained on how to help the customer through their objections. I mean, look, it's not rocket science, it's junk removal. So is it 1-800-GOT-JUNK? Is it junk luggers? Is it, you know, college hunts, moving junk, whatever. There's so many. So it's a commodity. They've got that person on the phone who's looking for junk removal. They can get that person to commit. They can even take the customer's credit card and they can book that on the internet. So basically the franchise owner of this organization is basically running a logistics company at this point. So this is how you can be the semi-absentee owner focused on growing a fleet of trucks. And then you're able to analyze the data Okay, one truck can do $250,000 a year in revenue with, with two guys in the truck, right? Well, and let's say that they sell you a territory with a population size that says, okay, well, one territory is maxed out at four trucks. So that's a million-dollar territory with eight people. I want to own two territories, so I'm going to eventually grow into, um, what I say, eight trucks and 16 guys but I still only start with one truck and two guys. But so when you, the value of the franchise, even in the simplest of business is that number one, 90% of small businesses fail. So you can go do it on your own and you have a 90% chance of failing. You can look at the track record of the franchise. That 90% failure statistic is not owned in franchising. In fact, every franchise that you look at per the Federal Trade Commission, which regulates franchising, they have to disclose their failure rate to you or success rate, however you want to look at it. So let's say that they have 200 territories sold. Let's say that's 90, 100 franchise owners that all own two territories, and they have a 98% success rate over the three or four years they've been franchising. Why are you going to be in the 2% of the people that it didn't work out for versus the nine? Like that's the logic, right? But more than that, 
part of your due diligence is to go out and to talk to these franchise owners who are doing it. What are they doing? Do they like it? Do they feel well-trained? Do they feel supported? Is the marketing getting the phone to ring? How many appointments per week are they getting on their calendar? What are they doing to augment that? So you're able to piece together so much more than an entrepreneur who's making it all up on their own. And they don't even know what they don't know. So they're not even smart enough to ask all the right questions. Here, you can ask the question and it can be validated by all the people who've come before you, not just a corporate corporate entity. So even in the most simplest business, like the picking up dog poop business, the search engine optimization, the marketing, the branding, look at the mosquito spraying space. How many, there's Mosquito Squad, Mosquito Joe, Mosquito Hunter, Mosquito Shield. There's so many, and we're still having epic runs with these brands because it's a commodity, but each franchise has a proprietary blend. Each franchise has a little bit of a different marketing spin. Each franchise offers a little bit something different. And it's just about being in the market and finding that customer when they're ready and being able to capitalize on that moment and convert. That's why I'm joining a franchise. Are you sold? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like it. You pointed out a lot of those things just to kind of hone in on the the SEO, for example, or lead generation is uh, folks might be tempted. Oh, well, you know, SEO, I'll just build my own website. But the time that you're wasting building your own website should be spent on higher level tasks, right? And okay, maybe you hire somebody to build that website. Okay, you can do that. But do the franchisors, the people selling the franchises know how to build that website better than you do for that particular business? Like probably they do, right? If they're successful at it. So I appreciate that you you broke into a lot of those business systems and, and aspects that are should be included with a, a proper you know franchise. Consumers love brands, you know, branding is so important in a franchise. It's everything. Mm -hmm. And it it can create um, perception of trustworthiness, right? Like when you're traveling and you see a food, like you see an Applebee's, for example, you're like, you know what to expect. So sometimes it's fun to just be in the environment and try out the mom and pops, but sometimes we just don't feel that pioneering. You know, we kind of just want to go where we know what we can expect. And so there's that trust and brand loyalty that helps the customer kind of sometimes get over the hump of doing business. Like there's a handyman business that was recently partnered with Ace Hardware Stores. So now it's called Ace Handyman Service. So how much trust when you're worried about hiring a contractor to come into your home? We all know the horror and nightmares that you can get with contractors. Well, when you're partnered with a brand like Ace Hardware, a neighborhood hardware store that we've all trusted for 50 years or whatever, and you're trying to find the right handyman service, which one are you going to pick if you see Ace that's going to lend a lot of instant credibility to you as a handyman or in a handyman business where you have handyman doing going out and doing those projects, right? So every company, Taylor, I don't care what it is, every company is a sales and marketing organization. Every single company. The problem with entrepreneurs is they're usually widget people. They got a widget, they want to bring it to market, but they don't, they're not, they're not necessarily sales and marketing people. They're focused on the widget. 
So in a franchise, the franchisor is a sales and marketing organization. It's like, it's a, it's a fundamental shift. It's a paradigm shift and how they get their business owners to think about the business. Your job isn't to be the widget master. Your job is to learn to become a sales and marketing expert in this business using our proven toolbox. You don't have to be the marketer. You don't have to figure out what the messaging is. You don't have to figure out where to spend the money and how much money and how long it's going to take. All of that's already been figured out. That's what you're paying for when you pay a franchise fee. I call that fee, it's the, it's the opens the gate to Disneyland. You know, it's on average about a $50,000 fee, but like that $50,000 buys you instant access from day one. And in some of these companies, like I said, when you're at training, they're turning on your search engine optimization. They're, they're uh, filling up your calendar. So when you come back from Budget Blinds University or you come back from brothers that just do gutter school, like you have homeowners waiting for you. You're not spending six months trying to figure out how to get one customer the day you come back. And if it's where they're taking the credit card, you could come back and be cash flowing positive before you're even quote technically open. You get it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm so excited and passionate about franchising. Because it's a real, legit way for the average person without an MBA, with no prior business experience, to come to the idea of owning their future, controlling their time, building a legacy for themselves and their family, waking up and having passion for what they do every day, working locally in their community, and not worried about becoming that failure statistic as an entrepreneur. Nice. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Kim, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? hope so. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment I ever made. That's easy. I am a big advocate of infinite banking. Are you familiar with infinite infinite banking? I am, yes. I have two banks of daily. It's probably the best investment vehicle I've ever, ever heard about. When I heard about it, I thought, why doesn't everybody have an infinite banking policy? Easy. Wow. Interesting. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? So the worst investment, does it have to be money or could it just be like an investment of my time? (laughs) I'll leave that up to you. I think our time is our most valuable thing in life, no matter what. Yeah. So, I mean, I've started a few businesses before I became a franchise consultant, I guess, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, being an entrepreneur, sometimes entrepreneurs are the easiest people to quote, sell on the idea of investing in a franchise because entrepreneurship is so lonely and so hard. It's such a rocky road. I'd say that uh, my startup businesses before stumbling into franchising and franchise consulting, we'll call those some of probably the worst investments I've made. Interesting. My favorite, favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? 
the most important lesson? Well, I think it has to be if you have the dream, you somehow have to surround yourself with people that can inspire you to say yes to the dream because you can't be in the arena if you don't get in the arena, right? (laughs) You can't have the opportunity if you don't man up to it. And every single person I work with, myself included, when we're stepping into something new, there's that you know, fear, the devil and the angel. I want to do it. I don't want to do it. There's excitement and anxiety. And it's being able to find people like myself or mentors who can help push you through that anxiety so that you can be in the arena because you can't get the outcome if you don't put yourself in the game. Nice. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today and for all the lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, they want to track you down or, uh, you know, anything like that, where can they find you? The best place I love hanging out is on my YouTube channel. Please go to kimdaily.tv. My last name is D-A-L-Y, kimdaily.tv. I have all kinds of videos on mindset coaching, franchising, of course, business ownership. Um, And then from there, that will lead you back to my website, thedailycoach.com. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much, you guys. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I say this every show that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.